Sukumita, as we look at her retirement show, Standout by Neo in 2009, and have a long look at her career through our playlist. And as is usual on occasions such as this, I wanted someone to bring fresh eyes to a 30-year-old product. And this show will actually take you from 1987 right up to the present day in AEW and WWE. We promise. So, so without further ado, my guest for today... Mr. Darryl O'Connor, how are you, sir? Ahoy, how are you? I'm fine, thank you very much. Now, you had never heard of Exutamita before I showed you this playlist on this show, had you? No. Not at all. And you are unaware of the bread and butter finishing maneuver that she invented that is used by wrestlers all over the world. Well, I'm aware of it now. <laughs> but I wasn't aware of it at the time. Now, when I said, Darren, are you going to do this cold or do you want some information? And, she, and you went, no, I'm doing it cold. It's, it's the best way. It, it's, it's a lot more fun because it's kind of like, I have, first of all, I have to apologize to all the listeners because I'm struggling with a cold at the moment. It, it's not COVID. I had that three weeks ago. We're good. <laughs> it's just a regular cold. So that's why I sound a little bit different. That's what it is. And um, yeah, so I, I, I like to do these things cold because they're a lot more fun. Uh, it's kind of like what I do to Dave when I'm like, hey, Dave, you want to watch a weird WWE show from 20 years ago? <laughs> uh, I know with Martin as well with WCW shows so I think it's a more fun way to kind of engage with these shows because you're not like biased by the outside force like I don't even google these shows I just watch them I'm like oh look at these young ones they look deadly and then they kill each other and you're like oh my god they're so violent <laughs> so uh, you know I always enjoy um, w whatever you pick James because it's um, uh, the uh, the horror <laughs> of how violent <laughs> this stuff is when you don't think it is you're like oh look she looks great there you go having a good out oh god their heads kicked off you know <laughs> <laughs> but the I athleticism did. is phenomenal like genuinely watching the watching the actual uh, standout show was was cool like it was it's the most accessible the whole lot despite what's on it because it's like it's the most like up to date show we've seen so far where the production looks fantastic it's really really solid. But that playlist, Christ, there's there's a death match and everything on that. <laughs> I told John you were doing this show last week, and I said, "Do you want to come on just to see what it's going to be like with Darren?" He said, "Nah, nah, I've got to listen to this from his first point of view experience because <laughs> he'll have never seen anything like it." No, <laughs> he's not wrong. Like again, I I I think I've built up a bit, I've built up a bit of a tolerance in some sense from doing these shows with you but I genuinely wasn't expecting any of this like as I said it goes from very milk toast middle of the ground kind of thing to something you'd see on a, on a dodgy VHS tape that you shouldn't have yeah yeah you know um, it's really good and the crazy thing about this is this stuff is just public this stuff is just out there you know you can just go on YouTube and find it and it's it's really good, but what I am excited about again, like I didn't, I didn't do research. I literally just watched these because I wanted you to explain it to me uh, and to the listeners as well. Because like, again, I I wasn't aware of the legacy of uh, 
of, of any of this. You know, this no. is completely new. And yeah. it's a huge deal. And when you actually, when you're watching the standout show, it's like, whoa, this is huge. This is a huge moment. And I wish I knew Japanese. <laughs> Someone wants to teach me Japanese, please. That'd be nice. Well, <laughs> Let us start at the beginning. And the beginning is 1987. In 1987, a dojo was highly established at the time. It was the AJW Dojo in Tokyo, Japan. And in 1987, Jaguar Yokota, who was widely considered to be the best women's wrestler of all time up until that point, and arguably one of the top three wrestlers in the world at that point, retired from her ring career for the first time. She's still going. Um, <laughs> to run the AJW Jojo. And as her training partner was Akira Hokuto, who had only left the dojo the year before, but was that good, she was asked to run the dojo class. They managed to produce the greatest class of professional wrestlers of all time. And I will argue long into the night about that. But it featured Minami Toyota, Toshi Yamada, Mima Shimoda, Etsuka Mita, and a plethora of others in, that just redefined what women's professional wrestling could be over the next 10 years. Mita mm. was on the Hokuto side of the gym, along with Mima Shimoda. And when they left... They formed a tag team. They had no name. They were just a young girls tag team. And the first match we see on the tape is just that of two relentless rookies going after the slightly more experienced team who do hand them a loss because, you know, they're the rookies. <laughs> and that's the way it is in Japanese wrestling. You stare at lights for a long time until someone says, you're quite good. Um, but they do have a chemistry together, don't they? The, the work rate, and I hate to use that word, but genuinely, you're watching this, and this is like AEW fanboys would lose their would lose their mind over this. <laughs> um, I was going to say something else, but let's go lose their mind with this um, because it's it's just go 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 go. Like it's I can't believe this is in the 80s. You know, it's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so ahead of its time. It's crazy, but like as you said, like it's you know white meat baby faces or what you know younger tag team getting on who's the faces and who's not i'm assuming the older ones are the, are the heels in this because the way they're working is that right yeah that's what yeah okay slightly heel probably baby face with a tough connotation yeah uh, that's yeah. yeah that makes sense because i i was just again trying to figure this out and from the way they're working the you know it, it so again for someone who who is is listening to this who isn't like a you know a, used to this stuff the Japanese style is so hard hitting and fast. It, it you can't you have to kind of look at it and go right. Who is who's working slower and hitting harder? <laughs> and that's how I kind of find out who's the heel and who's not. Unless the outfits tell me otherwise, because sometimes that helps too. Yes. Um. So yeah, like there is a, this. They don't stop. They just keep going for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm just like Jesus, girls, calm down, like. You're grand, <laughs> but yeah, it's brilliant. It's very, it's very, very good. And the chemistry, as you said, is it's it's all there, you know. So even though they got a loss, everybody seemed happy, you know. Yeah. But it's uh, some, there's some really nice little double team spots in this as well. Like it, it really puts. Let's what I say. You wouldn't see this kind of stuff for another ten years in WWE, and you wouldn't see it for another twenty years in AEW. So no, I mean, you have to. I mean, the AW thing is a good comparison. I mean, I mean, like Kenny Omega and Coach Ibushi have both said this is the wrestling they base their style on. You well, know, yeah, you can see it. It's yeah, like watching yeah. a books match as well. Yeah, 
you yeah. know, it's, it, with the tag team stuff, but there are certain spots that are done that are very, very, very Kenny Omega. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy when you're watching it. <laughs> like, they just watched the, these ladies go out and then kind of took from it. But yeah, like, if you're an AEW fan, like, you have to find this playlist because it's <laughs> you're going to find a lot of stuff that's going to look really, really familiar. And the, <laughs> the closer we get, something looks more familiar. So, hmm. yeah, it's a good start. Yeah. Really good start. But again, I was sad to see them lose, but it makes sense. Because as you said, they're the young team uh, and they have to they have to do the pay their dues and they did. Negative. And to be fair, once they paid their dues, they were given a much bigger role. Mimi Shimoda goes off to tag with Minami Toyota in the Tokyo Sweethearts. And Toshi Yamada is tagged up with Etsuka Mita in Dream Orca. And they're two great tag teams, but they don't have the chemistry that people are looking for. And eventually, all Japan women kind of figure out they don't have the chemistry either. So they split both teams up. And they go off and work as singles. And Toshi Yamada and Manami Toyota have a babyface on babyface single series that joins, leads them to be in tag team and being one of the best tag teams of all time. Uh, whereas Shimoda and uh, Mita are kind of just white meat baby faces who are floating their way up the card, shall we say, because mm. they're just too talented, even though, you know, you've got some of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time there. Mm. And then their trainer, Akira Hokuto, comes out after uh, one year off from breaking her neck. Uh, she comes back and turns heel. And she starts tagging with Bull Nakano. And uh, that sets off a feud with her protégés who are still baby faces and can't see what Okoto is trying to do tagging with the, you know, Bull Nakano, who's, you know, this always makes, been there, makes, you know. This Benoit. makes, so, this makes yeah. so much more sense. <laughs> this makes so much more sense still. Yeah, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of very, very aggressive spots in this. Yeah, this is the second match. It's um, uh, Suzuki Minami, who was uh, a dojo sister of Akira Hokuto and Aksuki Mita versus Paul Makano. Yeah. And, of course, Akira Hokuto. And this is a match where you, even when they're going to the ring, when I was watching this morning, I went, someone's getting a kick in. <laughs> you know what one of the most nasty spots of the whole thing is? And it's such a subtle thing. Yeah. Um, when uh, Bull and Akira are kind of like, basically having their way with the two girls they're pulling them by their hair and just throwing digs at them as they're pulling them along and you're like that is so vicious like that's something you see as a chipper at like four in the morning in cork like you know <laughs> you're just like that's so violent it's ridiculous because you never ever see that you know and also bull mccann was like actually terrifying <laughs> actually terrifying she's just man it's it's again i know i'm gonna say this a lot it's so ahead of its time like you would this is something the knockouts division with, with awesome Kong. That's all I'm, that's mm. all the vibes I got off uh, Nakata was just, this is awesome Kong, you know? Well, yeah, but, but AJW trained her too. Oh, there you go. Do you know the story about why she got called awesome Kong? No, I don't. Well, towards the end of her dojo run, Aja Kong had a, a contractual dispute with Aja, with AJW. And she left to go to Arsion, which we'll talk about later. Um, so they, of course, on the post, they put A Kong. Awesome Kong. Not Aja Kong. A Kong versus da 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 da. Another really good spot in this yeah. that I just I have to call out before I forget about it. 
the the little sequence with the with the continuous pod drivers. Yeah. What the fuck is that? I've never seen that before. It's just like punch in the head, Paul Driver, punch in the head, Paul. It's like, oh man, how are you not dead? Hokuto <laughs> was just oh, low dude. speed, no drag. Oh she was, god, just killing her, killing she was, her. She's she was known like if if she had somebody who wasn't trying hard, or she'd give him a clip around the ear all in the middle of the match yet to get going again. Like, I, she's just insane. I saw oh, her. Crazy. She was wrestling somebody. I can't remember who she was wrestling, but she landed awkwardly out of the ring and dislocated the shoulder. So Hokuto went outside, put her shoulder back in place, and then got back in the ring so they could start the match again. Genuinely, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared of this woman. This woman frightens me. <laughs> like, just like there's no like there's no chill on this. It's just although I have to say, working that style. And working the way she does, it really does make you root for the faces. Like exactly. It really does because you're like, they are in there with someone who is just going hell for leather, and it, it's believable because because it probably hurts like hell. Um, yeah. But no, it's very good, very very good. Totally different to the first match, but the fact that you said that there is that story going into it, it's um, I'm I'm very impressed by the athleticism of all the women in this match and. Um, Again, it, it's brilliant. It, it's just relentless, and it, it, that's again, the word. Relentless, it's just, just relentless professional wrestling. It's just like no time to sell. Just go. You don't just need to go sell. Until you drop. You're no. already in bits as it is. You know, so it gives you a pile driver. You're you're going to sell that because you're like my neck is killing me. You know. <laughs> just, yeah. So you don't need to sell. Fucking hurts. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just. It's visceral wrestling. Yeah, you know, and one of, one of the reasons why it starts at this particular point, it does keep going until about 1997. They know they're the best in the world. Yeah. They're not just better than all the other women in the world, they're better than all the men in the world. As so that said, means you've got 10, 10 people who need that number one spot. And the only thing they think about every morning is, how can I be the best wrestler in the world? Mm. And you've got nine other people who are arguably the best wrestlers of all time pushing you to be the best wrestler in the world. You can't lose, can you? As I said, look, at this time, for comparison, you had Hogan just, you know, being a flu in WWE. Uh, yeah. You know, so, like, that kind of puts it into perspective. Like, this is this wrestling is revolutionary now. Yeah. I can only imagine what it was like for people in 1991 going, I've never seen this before. This is this... insane. And, and, and this wouldn't even be replicated for another five or six years by the men who took her from Japan to ECW. You know, yeah, like yeah. Ben Juan Jericho and stuff. Like, Holy hell. <laughs> There's spots off the top rope and, you know, everything to the outside. And it's just stuff that is so, like, this looks like a modern product, but it's not. It's 30 no. years ago. And it doesn't look like it's 30 years ago no. because of what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's insane in, like, in the sense of, like, the there was also a cutoff point for 26 at this particular time. Right. It's just starting to change because JWP started and they said, no, whatever age you are, because they wanted Devil Masami to come wrestle for them, and she was 29, I think, at the time. Right. So they were just starting to get rid of the 26 rule, as, as uh, our good friend Chelsea Spollen points it out. After 25, nobody wants you like a Christmas cake on the 25th. So the that's idea a, was... That's a lie. Stevens to take cake is great. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, in Japanese culture, it was a misogyny thing. It was also the fact they were burnt out at 26. They couldn't wrestle anymore at 26. Man, wrestling like one match like that would kill me. I'd never move again. <laughs> Imagine doing that every night, Jesus. Yeah, no, it's like, especially wrestling Ball Nakano. Imagine wrestling Ball Nakano on a loop. 
<laughs> it's so violent. This it's is so, just so violent. It's so I, unnecessary as well. Like you're watching it going, just, you know, I you know just, it's not real, right? <laughs> you don't have to actually hit her. <laughs> Nakano is unnecessary violence. Yeah. That's 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 all she is. I've seen her. I what she had about a year or so after this, she has a feud with uh, um, Aja Khan and Bison Kimura. And there's a famous gif of uh, her standing in the middle of the ring as Aja Kong and Bison Kimura whip her with Singapore canes and she stands there and smiles. So what... So <laughs> obviously... Uh, obviously, there's another loss for her for faces, but there's a promo yeah. after. What's the story with that? Um, it's... It's getting towards like um, Mita slowly coming around to the way of Hokuto's thinking, you know, like maybe right. Hokuto's onto something, and maybe in Shimoda as well, being being Mita's sister, she kind of like or Dojo sister is kind of like on the grounds that hey, maybe that Hokuto's got something here because she's not losing, is she? Yeah. And what happens next is um, Shimoda ends up tagging with Hokuto in a tag team called Marine Wolves, right. which is this brutal team that are technically proficient and violent. And Mita and Shimoda are um, recruited to be part of this team, the wider teams known as the LCO. They come from, they go to Mexico, which we will see in the next match, I think. I'm going to go to the next match. Yes, next match. Then they go to Mexico together as a unit and um, uh, they come back to Japan as this unit, the LCO, a name they picked up from the fans in Mexico. And the mm. LCO means Los Cacajares Orientales, the Oriental Bitches. <laughs> that, <laughs> that needs to be a... Anyone listening that's like female, <laughs> start a punk band called that. <laughs> um, we have got a match on this particular show where... They were where Shimoda and Okokuto wrestle Lola Dynamita Gonzalez and Shloti Hamada, which is, you know, not necessarily our usual fare on the Troopy Show. We're not big lucha ref, uh, uh, experts here. We do the occasional mm. lucha show. Um, but Shloti Hamada was the daughter of Gran Hamada, who trained Kayentai. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> uh, and later okay. on, the, she has a, she has this young sister who's training to be arrested around this time. We'll talk about her later too. Anyway, um, uh, obviously in Mexico, heels uh, tend to be foreign because Mexico go Mexico. Yep. So obviously, to be fair, it's the same in Japan. Heels tech yeah. to, <laughs> to be foreign yes. and in America as well. Yes, so. funnily enough. Um, oh, go... jingo, jingoism sells. Come on, it does. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so therefore, Mita and Shmo, Mita and Hokuto end up being the heels. Hokuto was actually her title belt's most successful run. She was CMLL Women's Champion for a while no while way. she was in Mexico. Yeah, because um, she's such a badass and such a heel, and she got the fans riled up because. Like I was watching Lucha at this time, and Luchadoras were not the star attraction, but no. you can see how the fans react to her and how the fans react to Mita. There's also I, I you can see like kind of even though the actual video quality isn't great, the 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 extras are there now. You're starting to see a bit more, you know, that that little bit of, that little bit of pizzazz. With yeah. the presentation coming out in the, I, that, you know, coming out in the the traditional garb with the flag and all kind of stuff to be like, I'm, you know, 
we're the heels, but we're, you know, representing Japan. It's cool. It's a really kind of cool way to get cheap heat as well. And having the, I don't know, I, I just really appreciate that kind of stuff. You know, I'm like, this is, this is an extra layer on top of it. And look, when the match itself, I wasn't like, I wasn't blown away by it. I'll be honest with you. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's not, it's the weakest match of the whole lot, in my opinion. But, um, just that progression where you can see they're going, okay, they're, they're really getting this together now. It's it's a full package, and um, I think it's that like midpoint of of a journey that is worth talking about. Yeah. But I would say mainly for what you've said, and also the bit of pizzazz being added as well. Um, it, but the match itself is it is what it is. It is. It, it's kind of like the thing. I mean, like Los Ignorables de Avon, um were formed when Tetsuya Nato, who was uh, a babyface who was going nowhere in New Japan because the fans weren't connecting with him, who had dropped off the radar. He got his IWGP Heavyweight Championship shot at Wrestle Kingdom and the fans demoted it to the semi-main event because they wanted to see Nakamura versus Tanahashi one more time in the main mm. event. Mm. Um, and he went off to Mexico, dejected, and he came, joined this heel stable full of baby faces who were sick of the fans call Los Ignorables, he goes back to Japan. And it's only what Hokado and Shimoda and, and uh, um, Mita did literally 20 years before. You know, it's like they set tone for professional wrestling. And, yeah. You know. You can see it. You yeah. can see it. You know, but, like you genuinely can see what's going on here. And it's cool because like, Again, I wouldn't. I would. I'd much rather watch Japanese wrestling than lucha, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but even still, it's a very good match, you know. Um, yeah. And, and the stuff they're doing in it is like, right, well, we can pick it up. But the fact that it carries through, it, it's a, it, it's. I, I think it's a big step in in of itself. But uh, a lot of very interesting spots in the match in of itself. If you're a lucha fan, you're probably going to be like, what are you talking about? It's the best thing ever. <laughs> Might be. I don't know. Uh, but for me, I, I preferred the. I mean, I mean, it's it's, 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 it's interesting from a, from like a physical point of view because like a Mexican Absolutely. rings are uh, stiff, so you can't do all the bumps that you normally do doing a Japanese ring because you'll break your back. This makes way more sense. <laughs> That's why there was no chain of pole drivers. Okay. No, sorry. no, 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 no. Power drivers are banned in Mexico, Dara. Did you not know this? I no, I didn't. <laughs> for that reason, you know. <laughs> no, I didn't. Did you genuinely break somebody's neck? They do it occasionally when the referee's not looking, and it's usually like it's a bit like Memphis, like the power driver was banned in Memphis, that kind of deal. Um, modern Mexican rings are a lot more like modern U.S. rings and and. Japanese rings, those wrestlers went on tours and went, hey, we can land in the middle of the ring. We don't have to dive to the floor every time. Why can't we do that here? <laughs> but one of my favorite stories, well, not, not, not to laugh at other people's misfortunes, was um, Finn Balor. Right. When he was Prince Devitt, went on a CMLL tour uh, when he was working for New Japan, as they all did from time to time. And, you know, to, to like really make himself stand out, he went for a missile drop kick off the top rope, back bump, dynamite kid style. Made the drop kick, landed, and then just curled up into a ball in agony because he'd landed on this ring that was like apparently made of lead. He um, didn't do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a mistake you make once. <laughs> Never do it again. No, not be doing that again. So yeah. Well, that makes so, a lot more sense why this kind of uh, this match was very. 
boring is the wrong word, and I probably offended someone. I've, I, I stylistically prefer- different. He stylist. There we go. That's better. Yeah. Why it was so so different and so jarring. I think it was the most jarring match of the whole lot. Because I'm like, there's champ pod drivers, where are they? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just kind of like expecting to kind of pick up, but you know, it was what it was. You got spoiled rotten about that first series of matches. I did. I did. I did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. They get back to Japan and the LCO are in full fettle and they are, you know, they become this unit that is um, over and above, like the the highlight of the heel kind of run of Akira Hokuto. In and, you have little, and you have little outfits now as well. Yes. Oh, we're moving on a couple of years after this, towards 1997. Hello, this is James Troopney again. Me and Dara had a minor issue with this particular show, namely that Skype did not record the entire show for us. It only recorded the first, ooh, 24 minutes. So me and Dara went back the following Wednesday and had another crack. And this is the rest of the show. Okay, so coming back from Mexico, we returned to Japan. And Mimishimoto and Toshio, uh, sorry, Mimishimoto and Itsukamita are well within the grasp of the LCO. And... Akira Hokuto then spends her time turning these lovable baby faces into things that are not lovable at all, are they, Dara? No. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. The the yeah. Mexican the, the Mexican style definitely had a had an impact on them and it leads very nicely into our our next match, which is uh really something to behold, all right. <laughs> yeah, so what happened was um Kokuto and the Marine Wars become a dominant tag team, but as things go, uh, Hokuto becomes the biggest single star, or one of the biggest single stars in the company. But she eventually leaves in 1997, which creates a big hole for AJ, AJW um, to uh, fill as far as a singles competitor is concerned. But it leaves a hole in the tag team division, which is just right for two up-and-coming young stars. And the LCO turn it up a notch both in their technical wrestling skills and in just sheer violence. And this thing shows more than this tournament for the vacant WWWA Tag Team Championships in 1997, when in a round match where they're wrestling um, Minami Toyota and Toshio Yamada, the most dominant tag team in AJW at the time, had been longtime champions before this. Toyota had been the WWWA Women's Champion. Yamada had held singles titles runs. They were the number one and number two stars of the company. And the LCO set about getting themselves over as the biggest, baddest heels, not just in AJW, but the whole of women's wrestling in Japan. And the result was breathtaking, but not necessarily in the way we normally mean. No, what was interesting at the time, I didn't realize this was for a belt. Um, It was... It was so incredibly violent. It wasn't until we were talking about it that uh, that you were like, "Yeah, it's it's for our championship." So you can really kind of get the urgency here, even even if you're not like I don't speak Japanese, even if you're not speak understanding necessarily what's going on from a from a linguistic point of view. You can really just feel it in how hard these ladies go. Uh, it, it has everything. It has high spots. There's a lot of outside brawling, and again, like this is. So ahead of its time, you know. It, it, well, ahead of its time, but also of its time because it, it, it of when it is 1997. So it's 
you know, proper ECW kind of stuff, but ECW <laughs> with, 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 with women, which is something that you didn't necessarily see. Um, you know, this would be up there with any any kind of Bam Bam Bigelow match. It really kind of has that feel to it when they're on the outside. Vicious chair shots, like violent, violent, violent chair shots. And uh, it, it's class. You know, now it's also disturbing. It, it, it is a very disturbing match as well. <laughs> for the same, for, for a lot of the reasons that I said, again, like the, the physicality that you'd see and the, the aggression and violence, you'd normally expect to see this in ECW at this time. You wouldn't expect to see it with women, even in, even in ECW. So when you said it was for a championship, I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this makes a lot more sense than just going out and killing each other, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only woman I can think of who was doing this kind of stuff was Medusa Maselli, mm. who had a two-year stint in AJW. Yes. <laughs> and was in Paul Nakano's faction. So, Which makes sense because it is, you know, that's on brand. Really yes, is. yes, this is, this is it, you know, and these these four can go. Arguably, may, well, I would say Toyota's the greatest wrestler that ever lived. Yamada's top five, mm. and Mita and Shimoda are top ten. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. So there you go. That's that, you, It's beautiful wrestling, but at some point, the LCO realized we're not going to out-wrestle them, so we're going to have to out-fight them. And that's yeah. when they bust out the scissors and they bust out the chair. And that's when the LCO take over. And as, this is and this is a, a fight, you know, yeah. from, from bell to bell. And so it gets back in the ring and you think, oh, they're back in the ring. And then it's just heavy, heavy shoot spots until the weapons come back. <laughs> and then they kill each other with the weapons for a bit longer. Yeah. Uh, until the finish. This is a, You've just watched uh, the, the bit where... Um... Me to pile drives to Toyota and then just rolls her over for a pin, or instead of pinning, just chokes her and straight on the throat. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Like <laughs> that's such a disturbing part where you're like, it's not just like a, a rear naked choke or you know like a clean choke. It's like an actual choke, like choking the life out of someone. It's just like, damn, that's nasty. You know, it, and across to that line where you're like, you know. It, it's funny when people think about extreme wrestling or whatever, they're like 16 tables, 14 bags of thumbtacks, <laughs> glass, hit each other with light tubes. It's like, no, just just choke the person. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, that's that's more effective. Like, you know. The Greco Roman throat hold, as Kevin Kelly calls it in New Japan. It if works. You... And as I said, if, <laughs> you know, as someone who, who uh, does a show with someone who's mad into uh, death matches, and you know, I I I can barely stomach them at a, at a time, but you eventually get desensitized to it. You don't get desensitized really from someone having been choked that way because it's such a violent choke. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. just to kill someone, not yeah. to, you know, yeah, like you hit someone with a light tube, you kind of don't want them to die. You know, you just want them to stay down. <laughs> but a choke, you're like, yeah, well, there's only one reason why you do that. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, we're here to win at all costs. Yeah, that's it. That's the whole thing. And if I stamp on your hands, you you can't deliver that Japanese cyclone suplex, which is the biggest finisher in women's wrestling. So I'll stamp on your hands. It's so that, that's it. It 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 is utterly violent, but it sets the stage for what the LCO will be about for the next well twenty years, basically. You know, this is well not twenty years, to yeah, fifteen years. There will be a level of unprecedented violence and domination of tag team wrestling because that's who they are. And that's well, who they're going to be. But what was cool though at the end of the match, um, 
there was like a reversal into the Death Valley driver. Yeah. And that was like a like even still after everything we had saw in this match with the the extreme wrestling spots, which you know people can go garbage wrestling, they still showed that they're able to out wrestle if needed to. It's yeah. not just violence for the sake of it. It's we're gonna go violent, all right, to win, but we can also out wrestle you as well and, and hit yeah. that finish. And it's really cool. Like the Death Valley Driver is one of those movies where one of those movies one of those moves that have been diluted um over the years because it's a setup for finish and tommy dreamer ruined it <laughs> but he's qu- he's crying somewhere now he's like oh they're talking about me <laughs> um somewhere in an impact office oh just he's just uncontrollably crying and he's like what's going on someone's talking about me i just know it <laughs> um but yeah no it's it's like it just it kind of lost that impact, you know, as such, mm. uh, pun intended. And um, <laughs> when you see it here, used effectively where it's like the story of this match is we've done everything. We've, you know, used tables, we used chairs, used scissors, we fought the outside, hit with this. And what wins the Death Valley Driver? That's it. Yeah. It's yeah. a cool story. And that's why you use a finish. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have 15 finisher kickouts. No. No. But, I mean, there's you don't plenty do it. of. There's plenty of AJW matches that have endless kickouts, but because they didn't do it all the time, it works. Yeah. And it, this is a story of just enough. You don't have to do everything. You just have to do the right things right. Exactly. And that's what the LC were about. Were about. I mean, yeah. they were violent. They were a lot more violent because they were in a mainstream wrestling world for their time and their place. So they looked even more violent than they actually were. You know, so that's the thing, and it was the—it's just the relentlessness of it all, just the mm. continuous pressure, full court press wrestling. I think me and Chelsea decided to call it. If you're, basket, okay. if you're a basketball fan, the full court press is when a team is driving up the, the court all the time, so they're pressing all all five players to score at all times. You know, that's what the Bulls did. That's how they got to be, you know, three-time champions. This is what that's about. Full court press playing, full court rest wrestling, never slow down, never back down, just keep moving. And that's the story that they're trying to tell. And that's what makes this stand out. Mm. Yeah. Um, unsurprisingly, given a performance like that, they become the dominant tag team in AJW for the next three to four years. Um, the next match we have on our playlist is the cage match um, between the LCO and Kerio Ito and Tomaki Watanabe. Watanabe and Ito were the upcoming baby faces of the company at the time. After things had kind of cleared out and a lot of the top stars had gone on to Gaia or to JWP um, or Arsion, indeed, uh, which we'll talk about shortly. Um, and this match kind of embodies where the LCO were. They had become this violence orientated tag team that the other teams were trying to knock off to become. Um, the top dogs in the company mm. and Watanabe and Ito have kind of had enough. So they eventually get it to a cage match and Watanabe has a shoulder injury, which means she's allowed to wear um, American football shoulder pads, which is kind of cool and a, and a good telling story because they're already the underdogs because of Watanabe's injury. Watanabe and Ito are a good powerhouse team. I can't think of a modern tag team that are quite like them, to be honest, but I, well, uh, the 200 kilos tag team in, in Japan of Big Hash and uh, you uh, in Sendai Girls, they're about as close as you get to these days. 
Um, but they're big powerhouse team going up against the LCO, who start by bringing a couple of chains and a couple of chairs into the cage match. Let's let's point that out. Not violent enough for them. They bring some weapons in to kick things off. Um, as fans of uh, the wrestling, um, Brandon Wrestling Review will know, I'm not a fan of the Escape the Cage Rules match. This yeah. one is an exception because it works incredibly well. Um, and it's the LCO, so it can't be bad, can it? I think it's the, op- I think it's the opposite story of of uh, of a cage match, you know, where you have like a a, a chicken shit baby, uh, ch- chicken fit, chicken shit heel, where yeah. the, the first thing they do is try to get into the ring, and then you know the, the face pulls them back in, and they go back and forward, and that, then yeah. they get to the match. What's interesting about this is no one tries to run. It's like we're not escaping the cage. You you're escaping the cage if you survive. <laughs> you know, it's just five. You know, we'll beat you up first, and then we'll leave. You know, we're not. We're no one's leaving this just cause, right? And no. I thought that was that was really cool. And by, I'm a big fan about people walking out with with weapons. Yeah, bring weapons in. Um, it's it's a lost art in modern wrestling. Uh, you saw it during the Edge there, and you saw it also as well, like with Mick Foley again. This is probably where he got it. He probably got it from Japan. Where <laughs> you're like, well, I'm gonna bring this with me, you know. And it makes sense. You don't really see anyone kind of come out with weapons now, um, except for well, the only person who comes out with a weapon is uh, Drew McIntyre, but I'm gonna cut someone with this. Well, in Japan, you might actually at this time, but not not WWE, surely. No, uh, no, no. no. But uh, yeah, no, it's just it just adds that kind of extra level, you know. And by doing like they didn't do it all the time, but doing it for a big match, you're like, yeah, well. You know, so it's gonna go down. Um, I, I appreciate kind of the way this match was like orientated. There was action the whole time. There was no kind of real rest spots. Even the the the, the rest spots for someone's face getting milled into a cage. Like you know, it was it was very very physical the whole way through. There was no there was no slowing down in this. As you said, you know, working in the arm injury and the elbow pads. It was they, they, at no point did anyone seem to have an advantage as such. You know, it no, was no. very, it was very bloody. It was very even keeled, and there were some great uses of the chain specifically. The chain was, mm. the chain was actually class um, throughout this whole thing. I, I wasn't a fan of certain points in it. I thought yeah. it was kind of stupid, particularly the fire signature. I just uh, <laughs> not a fan of the fire signature at any point. Fair enough, I can understand that. Um, I, but, I w- but I was, one I was, thing, but one yeah. more thing before before I let you in there, I love when the guardrail was brought in. The guardrail is cool. Who's <laughs> on the outside bringing the guardrail? It's it's wonderful. It's a Bam Bam Bigelow, and I, I get proper Bam Bam vibes when these yeah. girls are working because it's a very similar, slow, methodical, purposeful style. And yeah. then when the guardrail came in, I'm like, oh man, here we go. <laughs> this, this is great. <laughs> The guard rule, Gaoro was their signature big time weapon for a big match. You know, especially oh, okay. if, the, if the rules were off or the referee was out, go get the guardrail. That was that was what they did. Yeah. I also, also I'd like brilliant. to note the the pastel shaded chairs were were a standard feature. They 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 painted their chairs to match their ring outfits. I love to go that. to the ring, and that's like it. and that's oh, like brilliant. just sheer style and audacity. <laughs> I love it though. It's it's just a uniquely kind of thing where it's just like it's like brutal, but also kind of like yeah, they, they would do that. 
You know, it's like, it yeah. makes sense, you know? Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of like high heels in an evening gown, but literally, carrying a chainsaw. Exactly. That's what's kind of like. It's like, these are classy ladies, but they'll cut you up, you know? And it's, you just get that vibe off them. And it's, uh, it's really cool. Like, I have to say, it's, like, there are, the, there's the obvious kind of like awesome calm heel, right? Yeah. Violent woman, right? There's the Luna violent woman. This is unique. This is a unique presentation. I think Becky Lynch kind of taps into it a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, this could be something that would really work well today where it's like, as you said, high heels in an evening gown with a switchblade or, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. It's cool. <laughs> it's very, very cool. And I, I it's definitely a, a thing that if the, if uh, could work as a face or a heel. Yeah. It, it, it does kind of have that broader reach, but it's very refreshing. But also kind of like, Man, I've never seen that before. It's kind of it, it adds to that scary factor as well, where it's like it, it's it's psychological, you know. Like one bringing a weapon in, you know, Mick Foley brings a, a two by four with barbed wire. You're like, well, yeah, he's gonna do it, all right. This guy yeah. brings chairs, and you're like, oh crap, they're gonna mess us up, you know. It's cool, <laughs> very cool. It is. I think Becky Lynch is kind of. I've always kind of compared it to Akira Hokuto in that kind of. Oh yeah, style. Absolutely. You know, yeah. she's yeah. she's there's a when we talked to. In our previous recording, the one you won't hear, unfortunately. Breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, uh, I will. Uh, I we did discuss little bits like this, of echoes of today in certain things, and you know, Awesome Kong was probably trained actually by Itsukimita because she went to where she was an AJW wrestler before she turned up in Impact. You know, mm. she had a long career in Japan. Um, worth telling that story again. The, the she was she was billed as Awesome Kong, or sorry, as Amazing Kong in Japan. Because then they could put on the poster a Kong. Because <laughs> <So Aja laughs> Kong had just had a just had a contract dispute and left. So on the poster it was quietly about a Kong. Yeah, literally a Kong, not a Kong. <laughs> not the one you're expecting. <laughs> not the one yeah. you're expecting. Classic wrestling promoter. Spain <laughs> switch tactics. Thankfully, um, uh, Awesome Kong was indeed awesome or amazing. Both. She was both awesome and amazing. Um, if you listen, if you want to go back and listen to. Um, uh, they are wrestling with Awesome Kong. And she tells the whole story, and it's quite funny. And she was actually quite terrified for her life because of the way Joshi works. The seniors always—you have to do exactly as the seniors say, no matter what company they work for. Hmm. So she kind of thought that if she ever met Arjun, she'd get her ass kicked, and uh, <laughs> she did in a restaurant. And she was like sat there, petrified, waiting for things to kick off. And then Arjun came over and bought her lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, like, that's a better ending to the story. Than <laughs> you thought might happen. Um, after 1997, things kind of ease up as far as working with others is concerned. And the LCO go on tour. They wrestle for Gaia. They keep wrestling with dates with AJW. And then one day in 1988, they turn up at Arceon at Kurikan Hall uh, just to sit and watch. And they're in the front row. And... Aja Kong is the big babyface matriarch of Arceon. She'd left um, AJW to help start Arceon with uh, Rossi uh, Gawa, who's the current boss of um, Stardom Wrestling. And Arceon is very much a sandbox for what Stardom would become. And she sat, they're sat in the front row, and Aja Kong comes out to the ring, grabs the house mic, and says, what are you two doing here? We don't need your kind around here. And um, they have a back-and-forth promo as the LCO was sat there wearing sandals and mom jeans just sat playing with their devices or whatever there was, whatever devices you had in 1998. (laughs) 
it's Japan. They had loads of tech that we didn't get for years afterwards. Anyway, this is this is very true. To yeah, like it really is like annoying how how much <laughs> Japan had and we just didn't get it. No, that's true. It's one of the reasons why a lot of that '80s wrestling we see on this playlist looks really good. It's because yeah. they had they had Sony to buy cameras from. That's a fair point. That's yeah, a fair point. And, st- and then it wasn't a case of important stuff. They just kind of had it, you know. It, it, yeah. That's actually that's an incredibly good point because, like, well, like you compare you you compare um, WWE mm. stuff. It always looks good. WCW stuff looked pretty good, but on the same level of like ECW and stuff, it looks kind of cheap. Yeah. This never looks cheap, despite the budget. Because like, no. even not having millions and millions of dollars, they just had better high-end equipment. That's it. You know, it always looked great. They'd spend the money when they needed to. When they did the Tokyo Dome, mm. they spent like five million dollars on sets, which was probably a bit much. A bit but much. you know, but just yeah, but, <laughs> but generally speaking, they were were like just as a nuts and bolts wrestling company. They had they had reverse hard cameras, so you could get hard cameras from both sides. They had two cameras at ringside. And, you know, there's there's lots of coverage of Joshi. FMW as well. Coverage of FMW is outstanding. You know, it's mm. really, really good. Uh, so the bigger indies and the women's organizations had kind of better stuff than the American territories did at the time because the American territories were still doing, like, three camera shoots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like, quick, get out of the way, Wilbur. <laughs> that's what kind of – yeah, like, that's it. Like, it's, it's, you don't have any of that – as I said, you don't need to spend millions and millions of dollars to have your yeah. your stuff together. These guys just do. Yeah. It always looks good. Like even even the, it still captures that indie without over without over processing it, you know, over producing yeah. it. It's like no, it's, you're gonna see all the action there. And it's gonna look good rather than tons and tons of production. But again, yeah. like it's good and bad in a sense. Like I, I I think this is probably the purest form of wrestling you can watch. If there's one change again, I'll say over and over again. If there's one change that I wish they did is just have an English commentary or the choice for yeah. a, maybe a video package explaining what's going on. Like like the way um like the way New Japan did it actually. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. recently on access. Uh, not yeah. recently, well, recently I mean but they're getting back to it now. They they've re yeah. they've re upped with access so uh, they'll they're gonna share uh wrestling with uh impact wrestling so that dude that's what I mean though. Like that's mm. uh, it, 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 that's so forward thinking yeah. Now, it's a shame. Like, and to be fair, if I was any of those companies, I would buy this and yeah. then just release it because you could. A lot of yeah, it's yeah. that good, you know. So anyway, yeah, go yeah. on. Anyway, but yes. Uh, Aja says, "Don't eat your kind around here," and challenges them to a singles match or a kind of loser leaves uh, Arsion or doesn't start with Arsion, <laughs> should I say? Um, but she does it as a handicap match, and she gets she bits off, bites off more than she can chew which is unusual for Raja to let herself be seen in that manner and gets beaten to a pulp. And eventually her two protégés, Akino and uh, Aoki Hamada, come down to ringside. They're the Arceon Princess champions, and they beg with her to, to give up, and she flatly refuses. And the LCO basically challenge them to a world title match, or we beat your matriarch, and we end her career right here. And that resulted in the match you are seeing before you, which is the LCO versus Akino and Aoki Hamada. For the Princesses of Arceon Championship, which is just uh, an incredible professional wrestling match. Even more incredible when you consider that Hamada and Ars- Hamada and Akino, are, neither of them are over 20. And the fact that Hamada is e- easily one of the best wrestlers in the world at the time, and she'd only just left high school. 
Aquino has kind of presence above her age, even though she's kind of presenting as this, you know, uh, upstart rookie, she has got like an incredible presence. And the LCO's job is to get them over as hot as they possibly can. And how did the LCO do that? Well, they beat the living shit out of them for 20 minutes. And that's the story. That is the story. <laughs> that, it's, not, it, it's not as violent as the other one, as far as weapons goes. No. But it is stiff as hell, and there's a lot of blood. <laughs> there's a <laughs> lot of blood. So this is what I mean. Like, again, you don't need the 16 chair shots and the, the barbed wire and two-by-fours. and no, no. No. Literally no. stiff kicks to the head. Yeah. And a lot of pile drivers. Now, to be fair, look, there are weapon spots. There's one or two chairs. There's, you know, tables. Blah, blah. I mean, like, they just kind of happen because the match is wild. But what busts, <laughs> them op- what, what busts people open in this match is just kicks to the head. It's yeah. violent. So, yeah, when, when James is saying, beat the shit out of them, that's literally what happens. And it's it's fists, knees, and legs that do all the damage. But it's the Death Valley driver that seals the deal. Yes. Um, I mean, in the end, the youngsters end up taking the belts. You know, they, yep. they successfully defend their championships, but they are absolutely brutalized. Yeah. That's what makes stars. Yep. Amada goes on to be the biggest star in Joshi for the next five years. Absolutely. When she, she falls out of favor with Arsion, so she leaves, she goes to AJW, she's there, the big red belt, the biggest champion in the world. Um, for a year, she drops the title a day before her contract runs out, goes to Gaia and wins their big belt and holds it for a year. And then goes on to be, you know, a big star for, for Oz Academy and the other Joshi companies up until now. She wrestles a lot in Mexico now because of uh, unfortunate um, personal choices, that <laughs> shall we say. Uh, but, you know, she's still a big star for AAA. And of course, she did have a run in Impact Wrestling as well, you know. The only the only thing as well, like when you're watching this one, and I will encourage people to watch it. The I I love how protected the Defile Driver is, because yeah. that's that's the move that can't beat them. Yeah, and it's like that's cool because as we saw in the last match, that was the match that that was the move that put them away. You know, yeah. that was that was the move that they build up to it. So it is pretty cool. And as you said, it made them stars. But it's just, it's just like, I love it. I love the way the whole match is built around it. And then when yeah. it's broken out, it's like, oh shit, they, that, that's what made them. You know, if, yeah. again, if he had have done the Death Valley Driver in the beginning of the match or five or six times, he would have been like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll break the glass out. Um, yeah. You know, and that's what happens when, when you, it's a good friend of mine who I used to do the, what was the the rewind a couple of years ago? He said when when everything is five stars, nothing is. Yeah, uh, yeah. And this kind of wrestling understands that. Where it's like we're gonna do just enough to tell the story, and it, it's it's refreshing. It really yeah. is. And it was just like I I really appreciate it. Again, this match wasn't the most violent match on that playlist, yeah. but it also kind of is at the same time. Yeah, in a weird way. So it's definitely worth uh, worth having time checking it out. It's it's really good. A nice way to kind of round it out and show that yeah, the LCO had 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 established themselves to such a point where they're going they're able to build stars, and this is how they do it. Yeah, that's it. It's just 
ungodly at times. It's just yeah. to see what they have. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at me now as I'm playing it back whilst we're watching it. And she just has such presence as a wrestler. You know, she just holds herself. You know, things are getting too wild. So she just grabs a front face lock. And then, mm. you know, all of a sudden we're telling a different story here. We need to control these kids and get them worn down. Yeah. They've got too much energy. You know, and that's that, you know, you can see the strategy coming across in her face. And that's what makes a great wrestler. Absolutely. And boy, is she pissed. <laughs> for the next 12 years yeah <laughs> um and there is loads of lco you can find on um youtube there is loads of it literally from uh ajw from rcm from gaia we did one we recommended one match from the gaia show we did a couple months ago me and john there is a load of stuff from that big heyday period in the early 2000s there was there used to be uh, a history of the WWWA Tag Team Championships, which obviously they featured heavily in because they held the belt four times. And just as a tag team, they were just so good at making stars, being standout performers, having great matches. They were just on another level um, as far as tag teams are concerned at the time. But we're going to kind of go to the end of uh, Mita's career to wrap up this particular show. And it's from her retirement show, the Neo Standout Show from 2005. Currican Hall, 1,700 people in attendance, flat sellout for Neo, which was a company that kind of replaced AJW. And Mita and Shimoda were trainers in that particular dojo as well. So they were responsible for a lot of the young ladies on this show. And this show kind of covers a lot of wrestlers we know and love very much today from their stints in WWE and in AEW. So we're going to spend a fair bit of time talking about this. Mm. So first match was Ayuki versus Kazumi Shimoma, which is 16 minutes, six minutes and 11 seconds, not 16 minutes, <laughs> six minutes and 11 seconds, which was kind of a young girl versus young girl match. And comparing it to when we saw the LCO in their young girl match, it's a very different kind of pace. And it's, kind of shown where Josh has grown. It's much more character-led. It's a lot slower, so you can enjoy the maneuvers more. And it's not so pressured. That full-court press we were talking about is no longer there because at the time, Joshi was starting to build itself back up again. And Joshi, yeah. where it is now, where you can go to Sumo Hall and you can go to Budokan Hall with Stardom mm. um, and with TJPW, that wasn't possible in 2009. And this kind of set that trend to get it going. Absolutely, absolutely, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your thoughts on this match? Uh, pretty much like you summed up a lot of it there. I think the the main takeaway is how slow what how slow it is compared to the first match on the on the the playlist where it's a million miles an hour. It's it's faster than a young bucks mm. match, you know. Um, <laughs> and it is like it's it's it's. I mean that in the best possible way. It's yeah. It's it's faster than a cruiserweight match. It's faster than lucha. It's you know spot 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 million miles an hour, and then that's it. This one, you can see the character progression, as you said. Like it's um, it's a it's a match where the the well they're selling, <laughs> they're, they're, they're selling. You know, to, to put it bluntly, um, they're selling in it. Um, it it's it, it heats the crowd up. Personally, if I was booking a show, I wouldn't have this match on first, um, because mm. it's just it's it is kind of too slow. Um, yeah, I prefer I. It's not that I preferred where it was i just kind of it's it's expect it's a spectacle like it genuinely is incredible yeah, yeah, yeah. what what those ladies were able to do um about 30 years ago but on the other hand this is much more sustainable um yeah. you know getting 
the the Yoshi uh, young girl match that is character based gets them over a lot a lot faster because it's like they have a character to kind of link into yeah. compared mm-hmm. to where what it was what maybe three four years yeah in between before they before um before there was any kind of uh i think for me to do or you know mm. i i understand why the change was made but it's also like it's kind of like i went to go see dune when it came out the new dune mm. Mm-hmm. And I'd watched the 80s Dune like three days beforehand. And yeah. I really enjoyed the 80s Dune because of how fucking mad I was. I mean, <laughs> just don't watch them together and you're, you'll be grand. Um, and that's kind of how I feel like this. I mean, like, it's a great opener. It's really good. It's very competitive. It's just when you see where it came from, you're like, ah, it's a little bit better, you know? Uh, yeah. But that's not a knock. Again, if I was booking a show, I would have a faster pace of match going on. But mm. there are some really good spots in this as well. So I suppose they were doing the modern version of what you'd expect from a young girl Yoshi match. Yeah, I think I think TJPW kind of put the speed back in. Yeah. Like I watch their shows and the opening match will be kind of like modern idol wrestling like we see today in Stardom yeah. and stuff, but the pace will be a lot quicker. Yeah. And and everything I, will I, move I, a lot faster. And I do think definitely when you're when you're talking about uh the younger the mm. younger uh, girls who are getting into this, the match has to be fast. Yeah, you know it has to because that's that's the spectacle of it, um, and I would say that'd be my only criticism throughout the whole show, um, would be the opener. It it it, it kind of lets the rest of the show down because of good how good it actually is. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's that's that is what it is. Okay, well we can move on to some wrestlers you may know, even yes. if you've never watched Joshi before. Emi Sakura of AEW and Chaka Pro and Gato Move. Tagged up with Tanny Mouse, who we talked about with John a couple of months ago, about when last time we looked at a Neo show. And they defeated the, well, now former AEW Women's Champion, Akira Shida, and Mio Shirai, sister of Io Shirai, in 8 minutes and 31 seconds, in a fun blast of a wrestling match that was, again, a lot more character-led than you expect from Joshi at the time. But But Sakura, it was excellent. But it was excellent. And Sakura is a wrestling genius. Absolutely yeah. top to bottom. She's one of the best trainers She's one of the best bookers. She's one of the best storytellers. She's one of the best wrestlers. She can brawl. She can technical wrestle. She started off in FMW, right in the waning days of FMW. And, well, she started off in the IWA, and the IWA folded, and the dojo from IWA ended up going to FMW. There was no women left, so she had to wrestle the guys. (laughs) That (laughs) explains an awful lot. Yeah, so she ended up wrestling them and learned from uh, uh, learnt from Gado and Jeddo, who currently book New Japan Pro Wrestling. She learnt from all those guys in the FMW dojo, who were all journeyman wrestlers who couldn't get jobs with the big companies, so had been all over the world finding work, and that's what's gone into her as a professional wrestler, and now she has literally started four companies, I think, in Japan, and I think she did in Thailand as well. She started one show in one promotion in Thailand. She started Ice Ribbon. She left Ice Ribbon, started another promotion in Thailand, went back to Japan, started Gato Move, and then when everyone was stuck during the pandemic, she did Chaka Pro. <laughs> I, I think what I really enjoy about this match over over the for the opener, and it, it's, I'm just going to try and keep it on the show because it's mm. it's fair. It's just how tight it all is. As yeah, you said, yeah, like yeah. it's it. Th- these four women come together to. I also just noticed that the cameraman's wearing a DX 
hoodie uh, DX shirt and it's very, <laughs> very distracting. It's like 2006 DX as well, which is like, <laughs> you bought that merch? What's wrong with you? Um, anyway, sorry. Um, I just love how tight it all is and how like fluid the transitions are into yeah. the, because there's no big spots. It doesn't really, it doesn't go outside. It doesn't really kind of go to the top rope that much. There's one or two points that does, but it's just really fun to watch. It is a fun match by women who are not top of their game, but also on the position of the card is they're holding it well. Like the quality of wrestling on this is like next level fantastic. I, I'm not sure if this was recorded or not, but I do believe women are better wrestlers than men. They mm-hmm. genuinely are. They're designed to be better wrestlers than men. It's just, for some reason, it just is what it is. And what annoys me about it is, um, you know, that was, the opposite is, is taught for a while and was. Mm. And I, that's maybe, you know, maybe sexism, right? It absolutely is. Maybe sexism, right? I, I don't know, <laughs> but, you know, probably that's why. But you're starting to see it now in, uh, you know, we saw for years in Impact, and you know WWE. There's the only thing you can watch is the women. Legitimately, all yeah, the rest yeah, is yeah. terrible. Uh, um, and now AEW are. You know, I don't want to know. Um, but <laughs> they're, they're getting they're getting better. To be they are getting better. Now, better, now they've got now they've got a, a star to build things around, and they're starting to bring people up because they've got a star to focus on that works for an American audience. I think I've discussed this online with a few people before. I think when they were kind of more Joshy fueled. Yeah. That was fine. Yeah, you yeah, either yeah. take the American audience to Joshi or you bring the Joshi wrestlers to the American audience and they True. kind of just put Joshi wrestlers out there to do Joshi stuff. Yeah, and I don't think that... like yeah. Joshi stuff is great, right? Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, really yeah, yeah. Is, but you have to... You, you really have to put your... You have to really put your flag into it. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah, yeah. We, this is what our division looks like. You yeah. know? It, 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 was just, it was just kind of weird, you know? But I yeah. think this Neo this Neo style, uh, particularly in the next match as well, actually, I really yeah. like the next match, we'll get to the second, that works. You yeah. know, you can, re- you can package this and you can, and can have it and it's just, I just really, I'm just blown away by how good the women actually are. You know, I, I, even, I mean, like, I've always been a fan of wrestling, uh, women's wrestling, as people know, but in 2009, yeah, for yeah. perspective, the Diva search was going on in 2009. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> all that trash and then the only place you could watch women's wrestling that was do- decent was in uh, TNA. And even then, stupid, stupid, you know what was happening. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just blown away that this was going on and it's so good. And now that you're saying that, yeah, sure, he started like loads of companies and stuff. You're like, well, yeah, they've been carrying the flag for going on, what, 11 years? Yeah, yeah. yeah what? That's, that's it. That's, what? that's the thing. I mean, the next match is another example. Passion Red, Natsuki Teo, who ended up being the original trainer of the first Stardom Dojo, uh, which wasn't the happiest appearance for the Stardom Dojo, but we'll leave it there. And Passion Ray, who is sadly no longer with us. She passed away from uh, cancer a few years ago, which was really sad because she was that an is. astounding professional wrestler. Yeah. Babyface, heel, could do it any which way you wanted to. And she was just on another level. They defeated Io Shirai, as in, you know, Friggin' Io Shirai. And yeah. Sakusi Fujimoto, who is the ace of Ice Ribbon now. She was the ace for Ice Ribbon had just about started at that particular point. And um, we've talked loads about Sakusi Fujimoto and became the really heir apparent to Minami Toyota. Toyota considers her her equal and she handed her down the Japanese Ocean Cyclone the Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex finisher as her personal finisher. Um 
and this match is kind of what the Neo high speed wrestling division was all about. And mm. it was a tag match that was just 400 mile an hour, don't stop. And that's all it was. And I, you know, and I loved it. Like, as I said, you know, there is the danger when you're wrestling this kind of style, or even like, as a, like, obviously, I've never wrestled this kind of style, uh, or any wrestling style. But I mean, when you're watching this kind of stuff, it's, it is very easy to get desensitized from it because you're like, yeah. again, if everything is five stars, nothing is. But I just love this. This was brilliant. It was a, it was a spectacle. It was a clinic. It was, it was a display of here is some of the best women wrestling today. Because look, one thing I didn't know about the show, which we talked about last time, was um, I thought this was like I couldn't figure out if this was a handpicked show or yeah. whatever. This was just a normal show that just happened to be Mita's retirement. Um, but that says even more because this is just look what we have. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's great, you know. Young ones just going out and having a great time, kicking the head out of each other, but also doing it in a very fun, tight wrestling match that isn't killing each other. That's telling the story, but like beautiful things like crisp top rope, uh, top rope uh, missile drop kicks, and it's it, it's crazy because you see these moves in some of the the lads have been in Japan. Mm. And it's like, that's great. And then you watch this, you're like, the women do it better. Sorry. <laughs> you know, they do it so much better, you know? Well, the, the, the joke on Twitter that I pulled every time was a picture of Will Ospreay and Yoshi Rai on Twitter. And it was like, my response was like, hey, look, a picture of the greatest aerial wrestler in the world and Will Ospreay. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, it's just, I, I know some people are going, well, probably not of listeners to this show, but, you know, people yeah. get upset by that. And you're like, it's true though, you know. Oh, no, no. Io Shirai used to deliver a double, a moonsault double foot stomp. I'm assuming WWE don't allow her to do that anymore. No, I wouldn't imagine they would. I, you know, but she landed it perfectly every time, and it looked it, amazing. I, it's I, just, there's just so much respect from, yeah. you know, just just seeing how they move in the ring. It, it's it's next level. Like it's just so so good. Yeah. So good, and I'd watch this, all, you know, all day, every day, <laughs> gladly. You know, <laughs> let's just move on to the next match, though, which goes from the sublime, indeed, to the ridiculous. Kana, uh, who you may know as this little-known wrestler called Asuka Empress of Tomorrow, yeah. versus Yoshiko Tomura, who was then Neo Champion, into a time limit draw, in a stiff as houses shoot style wrestling match that was just. <laughs> Kicks and forearms for all day. The head offer. Yeah. For about 10 minutes. <laughs> and it says, any rest spot is a knee. <laughs> and, that, and that says it all. It's like, okay, we're going to have a rest. Knee to the head. Another oh, rest spot, knee to, uh, kick to the leg. It's so stiff. And like, we were, t- we were talking about the, the Mexico, you know, the, yeah, the yeah, board yeah. at the Mexico board. I'd imagine she'd prefer probably la- like landing on that full impact than any of these kicks. But listen, <laughs> it's not just Oscar that that's that that's throwing the the bombs like there's a back elbow strike as well and pointed this into a, a cool submission that, that looks so vicious. Uh it's brilliant. It it's just it, it's one of the like it's not a fast match compared no. to the others. It's it's a very it's an extremely technical match. A lot of it's on the floor. But it's so good. And yeah. you know the story here as well as you said they work in not only that we're super technical, but that we're also so technical that we can't beat each other, no matter what yeah. we do. Yeah. So this obviously sets up the rest of the feud. 
And it's a shame because, like, look, I love Oscar. I'm a huge Oscar fan, like, legitimately. And it sucks that WWE are doing nothing with her, but that's a whole yeah. different show. But when you see this, you're like, oh man, Oscar, I love your YouTube channel. <laughs> it's incredibly cute. And yeah. then and then you watch her and she's like, oh my god, she'd kill you, like, <laughs> like, like, like she'd kill you. You know, it's it's unreal. This, this, this is this was her style. This is what she wanted to do. She started her own promotion after she got blackballed from everywhere else, and <laughs> a lot of it was shoot style wrestling like this. You know, she wrestled barefoot back then. You know, I'm sure. Again, I'm sure she was probably told you can't do that in WWE. Well, Matt um, Riddle gets away with it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's to be fair, I, I hate. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I kind of hate the 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 wrestling barefoot thing, purely because I'm like someone's gonna stand on your toes and. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's, it, that, but there's also the implication she's fast enough to get out of the way. So. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like you know, if you're, you know, I'm always like, okay, what if you have a false canary match out in the out in the out in the mm. car park? You're like. Hold on a minute, let me put your shoes on. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> she did, I mean, she, she did one when she was wrestling for Crash. She, no, had, she, did. she yeah, did. she wrestled for Crash, the, the um, ah, oh, uh, Tajiri's promotion Crash in Japan. Oh, I she love Oscar, yeah. She tagged, she tagged with Tajiri in a street fight match, and she did wear wrestling shoes for that. You have to, you have to, you know, yeah. it's just no matter how tough you are, you're not gonna, you know. You no. walk, you know, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. No, they're true. Let's just move on. We have three more matches to do, so we'll be quick. Oh, I want to talk about Oscar though. Oh, I know. Next up was Exuki Imito, Kimkyo Kimamura, and Tomoko Nakagawa, and they were kind of big bad heels in uh, Neo. They were kind of the start of what would become Kimura Monster Goon in uh, Stardom, which would occasionally become Odeo Tai and launch a thousand dance moves in the careers of many Gaijin wrestlers. And they defeated Ayumi Kuahari Fuka, who was the founding president of uh, Stardom Pro Wrestling, and Yuki Mikizawa Mizuyaki in 14 minutes and 45 seconds. What did you think of this one? This was um, the respa of the show. Yeah. Um, like Again, this is... It's not, things I say now are not disrespectful. I'm not trying to be. Um, they had something in the ring, a quality wrestling match that would tie people over, but you could go get a snack, you could go to the bathroom, blah, 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 mm. and you wouldn't miss anything. This was just a good kind of like filler, middle point of the show that was very, very good, um, but it was like very cut and dry. Your white meat, cute girl baby faces, and then tough as nails, heels. Yeah. That's what it was. That's Fuka, what it was. Fuka uh, was a model before she was a wrestler. <laughs> uh, she, so the cutest of cute girls the cutest faces. of cute girls I'm not surprised yeah. by that at all yeah. um, and I'm like it's great like it, it's it, it's exactly what you need to kind of as a palate cleanser which did mm. uh, these kind of matches in uh, Japan seem to be palate cleansers where it's like yeah. we're going to give you a good match we're not going to have a break but you know if you need to do it do it now and uh, that's what it's kind of felt like it was a, a decent six woman tag to be yeah. fair, like a very, very, very strong six one tag, but definitely the bit where they're kind of like, right, we're going to reset a little bit before we go into the, the rest of the heavy card. Indeed, because you got two heavyweight matches. You the final match, do. the you final do. match of Etsuka Mita's singles career is against her protege, Mikato. 13 minutes and 34 seconds. They set this up with a little video package of showing Mikato begging for the retirement match of her mentor, Amita, eventually backing down when Mikato slaps her in the face. And mm. brings her to her senses, mm. and that is the sets the tone for this particular match in a match of ultimate respect between Mikoto, who wasn't long into her career. She's 
back in the business now. She's a freelancer. She's 32 now. So back then she would have been, oh, uh, three years into her into her career. And she started when she was 17. So she'd been about 19 or 20 at the time. Um, but she goes with me to, and she hasn't got the Christmas that veterans may have done. But it mm. kind of is a star-making performance in a smaller way. She wasn't going to get the win, but that doesn't matter because she got the last match with Nita. She had the final word. I love the video package. Um, you can feel the emotion in it. The streamers thing you explained to me is the more streamers, the more they love you. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that I sell them <laughs> outside. I just, I never made sense to me. But there we go. I, I tell you, the whole place was just covered with them, and I felt bad for the ref. He's like, "Come on, come on get them out!" Like. But um, no, I really enjoyed this kind of big, huge match field. You know. Um, Oh, it was great. It was really, really good. Like, yeah, there was no way anyone was winning but me. It, it, it's weird because usually the last match you go out when you're back, that yeah. seems that's probably an American thing. Uh, I'm kind of glad that it's not here in Japan. I, you know, I, I personally don't like that. I think it's like, well, you don't need to go out on your back. You know, why? Yeah. You're legend, you know, you already made people. Except yeah. maybe Hulk Hogan. He can, he can go on his back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but no, I also love the slap. You know, we talked a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. last time where the slap was, um, you know, a sign of respect. Yeah. And I didn't just realize, it on. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I was yeah. that was kind of lost on me. But I loved the way the whole the whole match was built around <laughs> slap spots where it was constantly referenced. You know, it was really, yeah. really, really unique, and it was a bit of a culture clash, obviously, because you know when when someone slaps someone in the West. It's mm. disrespect, you know. Yeah. Um, but this this was this was a very very good match, a very weird kind of different retirement match than I've ever actually seen. And yeah. so, like, after watching the playlist of Mita as well, she does stuff in it that is very different. She's obviously yeah. a lot slower as well because obviously time, but um, it's still a star making performance. Yeah, absolutely. And then we go to the very last match of Itsuki Mita's career. As Kokohara's Oriental is that Tsukimita and Mimushimoto lose to the star of the company, Kyoko Inoue, and her protege, Nanai Takahashi, in 22 minutes and five seconds, in a thunderous send off that started in true LCO fashion. Send someone headfirst through a table and build to a climax. Yeah. And boy, <laughs> did they do that. Did they ever do that? It was, it was great. I have to say, the, the the main event it feel it felt like a main event with the build up of yeah yeah you know just the the elaborate costumes and the the big pomp and ceremony of the whole thing and then just the match itself again a lot slower than some of the matches we've seen before from from yeah you know from this team but that doesn't matter it still had all the the trappings it had the 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 pastel colored chairs it had the violent <laughs> spots it had the tables. Uh, but it will to be if if you were gonna go out, this is probably how you'd want to go. Yeah, and I think it was definitely booked in that way. Everyone looked like they had a great time. Well, I suppose <laughs> except for Nana Takahashi, who's bleeding like it, a stuff bug. Exactly, but, yeah. but still, <laughs> she looked like she had a good time. Still, yeah, all the same, yeah, you know. Um, I don't think she'd want it any other way. And you kind of got that feel in the ring where it's just like you're watching this, and it's not something where you. you they're bored you know you're never what you can say one thing about this show neo none of them look bored they're all there they're all given they're all came to work they're all their working boots are on and mm. they're giving it all 
even if they end up bleeding like a stuck pig near the end. <laughs> and you knew someone was going to bleed because yes. when they took their ringcoats off, they're both wearing white. So, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> there was no, oh, there yeah. was no other way. There's color tonight, girls. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was it. And Mita did take the pinfall loss, but it was like it didn't matter because it's the LCO. One more time, yeah. the last time you will see the most violent, the most dominant, the most relentless tag team you will ever see anywhere. The only tag team I've seen that came close is Millie McKenzie and uh, Charlie Evans, the lady, the Australian lady and the lady from Coventry, who I absolutely adore. And, and I was kind of sad when Millie signed with WWE just because I knew I'd never see uh, Medusa Project ever again. And it's like, they are, absolutely remind me of the tag teams of the women's in the 80s. And uh, you know, and the LCO specifically, and I actually told them over Twitter, I never saw the LCO, but I've seen you two, and that's good enough for me. Oh, well, and that's yeah. a rub right there, yeah. Anyway, like, I, and yeah, they're just they're absolutely outstanding, but the LCO are just on another level, yeah. And it, it, it's one of those things where you're, you know, with the LCO, it's there was the experience, I think the experience was more than the win, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they didn't need to win. No. Didn't, didn't didn't need to win that show. It wasn't what it was about, you know. Um, but what I really liked, and it, you know, I'm glad the show just didn't end because there was another like what half an hour yeah. of like a ceremony. <laughs> and the ceremony is lovely because like it's one thing that I wish WWE would do, but they never will because they haven't got that awareness. Uh, um, AEW could actually incorporate yeah. this really well, where you know. It's a little bit weird because I said it's like you know you're someone's leaving the office and you're giving them presents, but also yeah. <laughs> it is kind of lovely as well where you're like, well, the respect here is like real, it's it's legitimate, you know. And then mm. the little young ones come in giving flowers and it's all horribly cute, you know. It's it's great. <laughs> it is great, you know. It is. I got really seriously emotional about this, especially as I just recapped her entire career for the previous four hours. Yeah. And it was like this meant an awful lot to me to see because I'd never seen it before when I watched it, and I, my was welling up because it is like. This is one of the greatest wrestlers, the, not just of this generation. She literally set things in motion for people to be stars all over the world. From this card, from previous generations, just the Death Valley Driver itself. It's such a ubiquitous move in professional wrestling. Mm. And she set the tone for what wrestling would be. And there are very few wrestlers like that. Maybe Dynamite Kid, Tiger Mask. Um Woody Rogers, probably that kind of level of performer, Bruno Sammartino, not necessarily champion or big draw, but someone who changed the game, someone who changed professional wrestling and the history and the, the path of professional wrestling. There aren't many people who did that, and she's one of them. But what's wild about the whole thing is, while that's all true, and it is, it's also, um, it, it's also like she was so ahead of her time mm. that. Her impact is felt, what, 11 years later, 12 years later? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And without even really realizing it, it's just yeah. like stuff that she had either set up, stuff that she had either been involved with, things that she had started, or just people that like kind of copied from her. It ended up seeping into the mainstream to such an extent that, you know, if she was around today, she'd be the biggest star in the world. Yeah, but the biggest stars in the world right now owe a lot to her. So that legacy is just cemented forever, and it was incredible. She genuinely is. If you have never seen Mita's body of work, follow this playlist. 
Yeah. And you won't be disappointed. There you go. And bear in mind, Dara didn't know who she was two weeks nope. ago. I did not. <laughs> I genuinely did not. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to be on this show because James spoils me with uh, with great wrestling content. And I'm glad now. I'm a, I'm a better wrestling fan for knowing who... Uh, or who Mita is, because it's just unreal. You know. Thank you very much. I appreciate Thank you. that. You're welcome. Um, yes, the closing ceremony happens, and various people from Mita's career come to say goodbye, including, of course, Akira Hokuto, her trainer and uh, great friend and former boss, as it were, in AJW, and, of course, Mima Shimoda as well. Um, and, yeah, it's just, you have to see it to believe it. And... You have to see this playlist to believe it. This will all be available to you. I'll put it all on uh, the the tags when I put it all on Twitter and on Facebook and on Patreon. Um, but yes, and that kind of concludes the story of the LCO and the life and times of Itsuki Mita. And we told you it would span 35 years, and it has done. Mm. <laughs> right from them leaving the dojo in 1987 up to WrestleMania weekend coming up soon. They've had an influence on all the women wrestlers you've seen since. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And if if you doubt that for one moment, you're, you're you know you're wrong. Genuinely, yeah. it's it's it really is something that has to be seen to be believed. And it's not like it's a bad thing or a slog to go see it because it's so ahead of its time. You could take any of those matches. Well, maybe one. One was the Mexico one's pretty bad, but other than that, <laughs> other than that, you could take any of them and slot them in, and you'll you know you'll find a home from them. Um, it's it really is awesome, and you know whenever you're watching um, a, a mainstream female wrestling match outside of AEW because they just can't get it together just yet, but eventually they will. You will start seeing shades of what's going on here. You'll see it when you watch Becky Lynch. You'll see it when you watch Oscar. Obviously, you'll see it when you watch Bailey. Not Charlotte Flair, cause she's terrible. Uh, but you know, you or uh, Diana Perasso in Impact yeah. Wrestling. Uh, Emma, you know, it's unbelievable, unbelievable yeah. stuff, and it all goes back to what was done in Japan thirty years ago, and that I is think, huge achievement, huge. Achievement. I think the only match I've seen recently that kind of matches up to this, Bunny was an AEW on TJ versus um, Bunny and Thingy. One head lady's name, I can't remember. Um, Pete, oh, her. But, yeah, but that's the only match that kind of, basically because the amount of blood was involved. Right, that makes sense. That <laughs> yes, makes sense. Yeah. but they were trying to emulate what the LCO were about. And good on right. them for trying, but you're going to take a very long time to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> you have very... some uncomfortable nights as well <laughs> yes you will yes yes thank you very much for listening to the Troopany show today Dara where can we find you on the internet sir so if you want to find me you can go over to my twitter at Dara WV D-A-R-R-A-G-H W-V of course the show twitter is uh, underscore the rewind and if you want to find us um, you can go to nerdtonomedia.com or thewrestlingrewind.com and also, um, just through the True Penny channel, because we um, have a lot of content for you guys. Finally, my computer issues are resolved, so we're able to stream again. We stream every Friday night. And also, um, then it goes up on the True Penny channel as well. Um, if you have anything you want us to cover, email us. You can email us, um, The Rewind Show. And um, yeah. And also, uh, you can just tweet us as well. Uh, I mainly talk about cybersecurity, uh, nerd stuff, and wrestling on my Twitter. So be warned, there's going to be a lot of hacking. 
Fine things. Fine things. Indeed to talk about, indeed. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us today. My name is James Trubini. You can find us at the, find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook for the Troopany Show and on Patreon, where you can keep the Troopany Show free forever. For everyone, take care, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. <laughs>